So, Rachel. Yeah? Worf challenges the Klingon High Council when they accuse his father of being a traitor. Huh? What do you think you're going to get? So I'm seeing full-length robes and thrones and some mean laughing. Hmm. Worf and his parents will be invited to a Klingon planet under the guise of a ceremony for Worf, and then his dad will be tried. Hmm. And Worf's speech, backed up by Picard, will put it all right. Hmm. Sounds like an episode of Star Trek. <laughs> but not this one. Not this one. Rachel watches Star Trek. Captain's log, Stardate 43685.2. As part of an exchange program, we are taking aboard a Klingon officer to return the recent visit of Commander Riker to the cruiser Pach. Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. I'm Rachel Lackey. And I am Chris Lackey, and we are at RachelWatchesStarTrek.com and, of course, Patreon. But if you're listening to this, you might be listening to it as the free episode of the month that we unleash onto <laughs> the unsuspecting world to, to give you a taste of what it's like to spend about 30 minutes with Rachel and myself. <laughs> yeah. And if you enjoy that and you have been enjoying episodes, then please join us on Patreon.com forward slash Rachel Watches Star Trek for an episode every week bonus content and a comment show. Thank you, patrons, for making this possible. Now, this episode is called Sins of the Father. Sins of the Father derives from biblical references primarily in the books of Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers to generational sin, the sins or inequities of one generation passing to another. Mm. Ezekiel 18.20, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. Ah, oh, so in that passage, at least, they're saying you're only responsible for your own sin. Yes. It's not intergenerational. Well, according to the Bible, but... In that part of the Bible anyway, but for the Klingons, it's not so. The teleplay is by Ronald D. Moore and W. Reed Moran. The story is by Drew Dayan, bringing the Worf's father is accused part, mm -hmm. and Beth Woods, who wrote a story about Worf's brother came coming aboard the Enterprise. Oh. Yeah, so they combined the two. It's a mashup. Directed by Les Landau. Happy New Year. We are now in 1990. Oh, it's actually 2022 for us. Oh, that's true. Also, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to everybody. I thought that's what you were doing, but no, you're just saying it's a new year in Star Trek. Yeah, in terms of when the script was written. Yes. Yeah. It's exchange program time again in return for Riker's jaunt on the path. Klingon Commander Kern is assigned to the Enterprise D as acting first officer. Kern beams in and is all business. He doesn't want to go to his quarters, mm. have a tour or nothing. Straight to the bridge where he will rule with an iron fist, intimidating Wesley into being all, yes, sir, yes, commander, sir. Picard allows it with a slight smile. I'm just thinking first officer seems a bit of a middleman on the bridge. Why do they? Well, the first <laughs> officer or XO is actually mm. the person that's in charge of all the day-to-day -day operations on the ship. Oh. It's a very important job. So the captain's only doing the big Exactly. Sky thinking. The big picture stuff. Mm. And the person that's actually running the ship is the, the second command. So the captain says, set course for so-and-so, or I want to go to so-and-so. And then the details are taken care of by the first officer. This is funny that we're bringing this up because mm. we have actually already talked about this on our bonus content from last month. Yeah. The Expanse. But we haven't recorded that yet. But we we're have yet to record it. Later so, today. <laughs> yeah, we are going to record that. Strangely, the XO comes up again. Yeah on that episode All right. of The Expanse. Now, Worf is not getting the same treatment as everybody else. Yeah. 
Kern is praising Worf, saying, boy, you're very efficient. You're doing such a good job. And it's <laughs> totally getting Worf's goat because he's not being hard on him like he is on everybody else. Yeah. But Worf doesn't let it rise. Like, he seems like he's trying to get a rise out of Worf, but mm. he doesn't let him. He just does what he's told. I didn't get at the time that he was trying to piss him off. I thought he was just, for some reason, encouraging him. <laughs> No, it seemed, I, to me, it seemed condescending. Yeah. Why does he need to be coddled and like, ooh, mm. you're doing such a good job. <laughs> Very good at pushing buttons. Aww. Kern is played by the legendary Tony Todd. Get used to him, Rachel, because he <laughs> is going to be in Star Trek a lot. Oh, okay. He started in theater. He's very tall, 6'5". He's best known, I think, for his role as Candyman in the original film. But he was also in the 1990 remake, the, the lead role in Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Was directed by Tom Savini. Yeah. Pittsburgh guy. I lived in Pittsburgh for a few years. Hung out with Tom on a couple occasions oh, myself. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to special makeup effects school, so. Yeah. Tony Dodd uh, was also in the 2009 The Strange Case of Doc- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, he also played the CIA director Graham on Chuck, if you ever watched that show. I mm-hmm. never did. And he was also in Platoon, among Gosh. many, many other films. Lots of serious roles there. And- some kind of disturbing ones, I guess. Oh, yeah. He's mm. he's good. Yeah. He started the role with the kind of African accent, but then it kind of seemed to disappear as the story went along. Oh, Rachel. That was a Klingon accent. It was? Yeah. <laughs> when are you going to learn? A what? African? Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. No, well, I think it he sounded was, like coming to America. I think he was trying to do just a <laughs> like a generic accent to kind oh, of differentiate Generic them. accent. As if there's such a thing. Well, you know, well, what's Deanna's accent that she does? Greek? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, these are alien cultures, so they try to come up with some accent that is not of Earth. But yeah. it's hard because all the accents we know are of Earth. And there's so and many Worf's different languages. Up on Earth. Well, Worf shouldn't have a... So you shouldn't have a Klingon accent no. in English. Yeah. But why, do any, why does anybody have any accents with the universal translator? Well, Worf's speaking English the whole time, is he? Yeah. This is a very confusing <laughs> thing on Star Trek, really inconsistent with, because sometimes the Klingons are speaking Klingon, and other times they're speaking English yep. when they're in the middle of a Klingon trial. Yeah. Just gives a little bit of flavor, doesn't it? I, but it did stand out as silly. Yeah. We're just going to have to let that go for this episode to, yes. to carry on. Let's yeah, let it to go. make any sense. Now, in the turbo lift, Riker tells Kern that the crew will need some time adapting to him. He offers to assist Kern in working with the crew. Kern declines, so Riker snaps, this is not a Klingon vessel. Mm. And Kern reminds Riker that if it were a Klingon ship, that he would have killed him for offering such a suggestion. Oh, yikes! I mean, I thought that was a perfect opportunity for Riker, who served on a Klingon ship, to go, well, you could have tried to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they jumped him, didn't they? Yeah, oh yeah. And he uh, beat them down. The guy was being so impertinent to him yeah, he that had he, fought, he, had a fight he fought him, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. In the captain's mess, apparently the first time we'll have seen the captain's dining room. Oh. Gosh, that's a lot of space that they've afforded to Picard, isn't it? Yeah. He's special. A special dinner has been prepared. We get this. How long has this bird been dead? <clears throat> it appears to have been lying in the sun for quite some time. Well, it, it's not dead. It's been replicated and... You do understand that we cook most of our foods. Yes, I was told to prepare for that. I shall try some of your burned, replicated bird meat. (laughs) What a diss. That's pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Seems we've been lying in the sun for quite a while. (laughs) Picard has saved some real caviar for special occasions because the replicator doesn't do it justice, supposedly. Yeah. Okay. 
Kern spreads loads of it on his chicken leg and then spits it out back onto the chicken leg when he tries it. It's too bland for a Klingon. The Worf doesn't seem to mind, he says. Burn! Yeah, he's really digging into Worf. Yeah. Later, Worf storms to Kern's quarters and Kern's pleased to see Worf's got some anger going. Says he's been testing Worf to see how Klingon he was. So that whole thing was a piss take trying to get him to snap at him that mm -hmm. I am competent and stop <laughs> encouraging me. Well, guess what, says Kern. I'm your younger brother, and what? I'm here to form a band with you called Sins of the Father. <laughs> he does not. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good band name? That would be great. For Hanson. What? <laughs> you know, mbap, mbap, like a sibling's band. Yeah. Pretty great. But, huh? All Worf's family died, so what's going on? Yes. Kern says he was only one year old when the family went to Kittimer because they expected it to be a short trip and he had been left to stay with his father's friend, Lorg. When the massacre happened, obviously he wasn't on the planet, and Lorg just basically adopted Kern as his son. I was feeling so bad for that little baby. I don't know how dangerous a trip it was, but if it was safe enough to bring little Worf, then surely bring a little baby with you. Yeah. Especially a little baby. Yeah. Yeah. They a Klingon's probably not that soft as babies, are they? I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. Yeah. They explained away why Worf has been told he has no living relatives by saying that the Klingon High Command didn't know that he had, hadn't been on Kittimer. That's real sloppy, isn't it? Surely well, someone would have checked or come forward with that information at some point. Well, This friend knew. Oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't he say anything? Yeah, Everybody's died on Kittimer. Yeah. Oh, you know, I'm going to come forward and, and adopt, you know, yeah. legally this child. Yeah. Who's the child? My friend's child. I'll note that down. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you got a point. It doesn't make any sense. You got a good point there. When Kern reached the age of ascension, he was told the truth about his bloodline. So they're both adopted, one by a Klingon family, one by a human. Mm. If only they'd been twins, we could really see the whole nature-nurture thing play out. <laughs> Kern has done this whole exchange program thing, including presumably weeks or months of research about Starfleet regulations, just to tell Worf that their father, Mog, is accused of treason by the Klingon High Council. I assume he could have told him in another way, but he wants to do it on the DL, so yeah. maybe this it was the only way. So he's been posthumously accused, and they're going to have to defend the family name. Mm -hmm. He's accused of giving the Romulans codes, which allowed them to lower the shields of the Kitima outpost to attack. So big, yeah. big deal A here. betrayal, yeah. yeah. Kern's identity as Mock's son is still hidden, so he's asking Worf to challenge the judgment. Worf asks Picard if he can leave so he can face the High Council. And Picard says, no. If you're accused of capital crime, I'm coming with you. Oh, another fantasy. Captain slash dad slash boss <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> they set course for the first city of the Klingon homeworld. No urgent plans for the Enterprise, I yeah, guess. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was wondering. I go, weren't they doing something? Uh, yeah. That they just had to pack it all up and... Yeah, well, Kern seems pretty surprised that that's what they immediately do. So I guess Worf wasn't going to be tried for this or made to face death unless he came and challenged it himself. Yeah, that's right. Kern respects Picard's involvement in, in this and he asks Worf if he can be his Chardich or ritual second. <laughs> What's that? Sometimes in these things, or at least I know in medieval combat, you had like a champion, you know, like kings mm. or nobles wouldn't actually fight each other. They would get a proxy to fight for oh, them right. to settle their disputes. Right. So it's not just a pal backing them up, they're actually doing the fighting for them. Because when Worf is accused, he won't be allowed to fight in any duels, and Kern will have to fight for him. Oh, right, okay. So Worf agrees, and Kern says in Klingon, 
I accept with honor. May your enemies tremble before you. So as we said, we have to ignore the universal translator in this episode. <laughs> Maybe they're able to turn it off for special occasions I to really prove a point. I, I don't, don't know. know. Worf wants to keep it secret that they're bros. He d- doesn't really explain why, but he mm. just says, look, you're my Chadich, so you've got to listen to me. And he's like, okay, sure. Worf, Kern, Picard, and Riker beam down to Kronos. I get my robes that mm-hmm. I've been dreaming of. Yep. Worf's got a floor-length silver waistcoat. And there's another Henry VIII-esque leader, Kamek, in his spotlit throne. He's got a similar kind of long robe thing to Worf, but it's covered in metal badges. Yeah. Seem to have this same look for the leaders of the Klingons, don't they? Well, because it was the exact same actor. Ah! <laughs> As General Cord in Star Trek V. Uh, oh, okay. Star yeah, Trek yeah. V, The That's Final Frontier. I'm thinking yeah. of, yeah. The actor is uh, called Charles Cooper. Oh, okay, good. Well, welcome back, Charles. And it's time to really get a good look at the platformed, sold munchkin boots that all the Klingons are wearing. <laughs> you know, the little flare on the toe. I think it's a claw. And tights. Oh, right, yeah. It's not a flare, it's a freaking claw. A claw, right. Like, okay, it's not like just a, decorative. Like a velociraptor. Ooh. You, you know, kick somebody. So, so yeah, you can gut somebody with a kick. So you would say that most Klingons could take somebody in a fight really well, you know, due to the armor that they wear and due to their uh, lifetime of training. Mm-hmm. And would you also say that trained assassins would be able to take pretty much anyone in a fight? <laughs> For example, <laughs> someone from a peaceful <laughs> ship. Uh, yeah, prob- yeah prob- uh, probably you would think that, that you think up. that would work out, <laughs> yeah. unless they're a real badass. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, the sort of person who sleeps with. One nipple exposed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. By the way, we have to make an official addendum yes. to our previous podcast, and this is a crime and a shame. So sorry. The episode, The Offspring, with yeah. Lol in it. Remember the last episode. The we, last episode. We released for patrons. We screwed up big time. I'm so ashamed. I'm really ashamed of us because when it happened, we were ecstatic watching <laughs> this episode. Yes. There's a part where Picard is sleeping. And he is wearing an outfit very similar to the outfit that Riker had on, exposing a nipple. Where Riker, when remember the, the female-dominated society where he had to wear the kind of the more effeminate... Yeah, so uh, he's got a little sleeping waistcoat on. Yeah. Completely split to the navel. But, but Picard, his, <laughs> his hands behind his head and his nipples exposed yes. as he sleeps. And we were, we just... Because it just seems so out of place. Yes. Because he just wakes up and then talks to people. A real freaksian shot, I guess. Yeah. It's, really finding his style Jonathan it was hot it was sexy it was so sexy that we said that it needed to increase the sexiness level by one so Rafe please will you add one to our sexiness rating for the offspring yes both of us officially (laughs) and we're sorry and yeah we dropped the ball apologies I mean we dropped the ball a lot of times but something like this no no this should never be forgiven. It's a crime against humanity. Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, hopefully this apology has been sincere enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if anyone was offended. <laughs> offended that we didn't bring it up? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great apology. Worf pronounces his challenge before the council and faces the accusations of Duras, the son of Mok's greatest rival. Mm. I wonder if this guy will have any skin in the game or any biases. Mm. The thousands of deaths on Kitima must be avenged, including that of Duras's own father. He rips Worf's sash off. Just being accused. Yeah, it's Baldrick. <laughs> I'm sure you must have told me that before because it sounds kind of familiar, but that's, that's, okay. that's ludicrous that it's the name of that guy from Blackadder. <laughs> um, and he says, you will not wear the emblems of our people. 
Well, see, this is the thing here. He's on trial. This seems yeah. to be out of out of line because he hasn't officially been ruled yeah. Is it another guilty of yet. these guilty until proven innocent I guess things. so. Now, DeRoss is played by this guy, Patrick Massett, screenwriter and producer. He's been nominated for four Writers Guild of America, the WGA Awards, for his work on Friday Night Lights. Oh. And he worked on the NBC reboot of the series Knight Rider. Oh. And he uh, wrote Laura Croft Tomb Raider. All right, okay. So he's like a pretty big guy behind the scenes. Certainly more of a writer than, than an actor. Couldn't find anything else about him acting, but just yeah. does a good job in this, I think. Chancellor Kempeck accepts that Picard's trust in Worf is admirable and notes it in the record. Hmm. During a recess, Kempeck tries to persuade Worf to abandon his challenge. Mm, there's quite a lot of backroom conversations that go on. I suppose that's part of how they do things here. He's an interesting character, this Kempeck. Charles Darwin Cooper mm. was 64 when this was filmed. A job in stage, TV and film actor. He was in Perry Mason in mm. the 50, late 50s, early 60s. I don't know what that is, but it sounded kind of familiar. It's a war, um, it's a trial show. Oh, okay. Perry Mason was, yeah, he was a lawyer. All oh, right. His Star Trek roles were his best known, but he doesn't seem to have done much after that, mm. which is a shame because I think he's good. He's, maybe you could only fit him into certain particular roles because he is that kind of... Gowdy? Gout. I know, I don't want to shame people who've got gout, but it's the perfect <laughs> word for it. He's kind of got that fragility of not looking that well. Yeah. But he's also got a lot of power. And then in this, he's kind of trying to do the right thing. Yeah. But in an underhand way and also yeah. a wrong way. Mm -hmm. um, so I think he does a good, good job with that complexity. Worf is a little weirded out by this, that the Chancellor is saying, you want me to lay aside my father's honor? Mm. That's not very Klingon. And Compact stays very tight-lipped, and it says, get out of here before you're condemned as a traitor. Oh, like, yikes. just leave the whole thing. Yeah. Everybody will forget about it. Don't worry about it. Just get the hell out. Ooh, but of course they will not. So in a corridor, Duras reveals to Kern that he knows who his real father is, and he tries to blackmail him into turning against Worf. When he doesn't, Duras has a couple of assassins attack him. Well, thankfully, Kern is beamed to Bev's sick bay and treated. Is that really the best place to <laughs> treat somebody? <laughs> yeah, since we know that they uh, the don't Kronos. have any reserves of Klingon blood on <laughs> the ship whatsoever. <laughs> eh, whatever. Yeah. Or maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe in, on Kronos, it's like, oh, you got attacked by assassin? Well, if you don't survive, then that was the way it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Worf wants to select another Kadich. Picard! Oh, Picard's a bit bashful about it. He says, you know, of course I'll do it, but don't you want somebody who's a bit younger and more fighty? But he wants Picard. He says too, he goes, there's no one else I would rather have beside me in Aww. combat. It's like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> And Picard gives the acceptance words in Klingon that had previously been given yeah. by Kern, which is really touching. It is touching. Apparently Patrick Stewart wanted them to add that to the script oh, nice. for it to be a complex series of words rather than just one yeah and Worf says you do me great honor captain dad <laughs> <laughs> i mean <laughs> <laughs> so back in the high council duras smirks at picard being chosen for the fight and we get this little exchange my challenge will proceed no threats no treachery will stop it not even a trap set for my chadich by a coward Duras! Well, not your lies! The son of a traitor! Keep your place, Picard! This is my place. He is now my Tadich. This is not your world, human. You do not command here. I'm not here to command. Then you must be ready to fight. 
something Starfleet does not teach you. You may test that assumption at your convenience. <laughs> Which is the classy way of saying f and find out. <laughs> it's got to be one of the best lines, hasn't it, in Star Trek? You know, it's, top 100. It's pretty solid, yeah. 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 But don't worry, everybody, because back on the Enterprise, they're trying to come up with some life-saving information regarding the Kitima massacre. They're getting logs of the first ship on the scene back then, and LaForge and Data have hacked into the Klingon Central Information Net. Mm. Yes! They find out that the new information about Worf's dad was taken from a captured Romulan ship's logs recently. That's how everybody's outraged about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. They compare that information with the, with, logs, with the logs of the first on the scene mm -hmm. ship, and they find a discrepancy in the transmissions. It was faked. It's a fake! <laughs> they also find a surviving eyewitness, Caleste, who lives conveniently in the first city. And she was Worf's nurse. Again, no one told Worf she'd survived. <laughs> I know. She could have come forward, maybe. Could have been nice for yeah. him to have a caregiver there when he was orphaned. Yeah. So, so pretty I mean, strange. We'll I'm, not, just I'm, I'm trying to put human values on the Klingons Exactly. Here. Just chalk it up to Klingon culture. <laughs> sure. Picard heads alone to find her. At her home, Celeste informs Picard that she considers her life to have ended at Kittimer and that she is waiting to die. That's no way to spend however however old Worf is years of your life. <laughs> Why is he in his thirties? Maybe I don't know. Mm. Again, it's Klingon, so you don't. We don't know. And I think yeah. Klingons age quicker than humans. I think they oh. get to maturity like at twelve, like full grown. Wow, but he must be at least in his twenties. I think she's so, been yeah. hanging around that whole time, waiting yeah. to die. Come on, dude. Et quite the traumatic event, obviously. Yeah, for all of them. yeah. But again, you know, there's, there's a lot of hand-waving that goes on in this episode. I don't care because I, I freaking love it. <laughs> right. But when you think about stuff, I'm like, mm, mm. okay. Now, she refuses to help Picard, and Picard's like, oh, okay, nothing I could do. So when mm. he leaves, he's jumped by some assassins. <gasps> and, of course, two Klingon warriors surprising yeah. a, a Starfleet Unarmed. officer. There's going to be no way. Picard is toast. So who's the next captain of the Enterprise going to be? So <laughs> Picard is able to fend them off almost. Yeah. But he's getting ready to get stabbed, and then... Oh, the assassin stabbed in the back by Kalist. Yeah, she threw a knife in his back. And she's into Picard's bravery, so now she's decided to help. Kalist is played by Thelma Lee, 74 at the time. She was known for They Live and oh, The yeah. King of Comedy. I love They Live. Movies. Oh, yeah? It's a low-budget sci-fi movie, but it's, it's like funny. It's got great action in there. And it's unfortunately resonates <laughs> with oh. the message about consumerism and oh, okay. culture and it's it's very good film oh, it's good. one i would recommend us covering at some point okay great and she's known for this picard enters just as Kempek is about to pronounce judgment on wharf he calls a recess when he sees her apparently uh, they used to be apparently he used to be into her right yeah well in picard says look because she doesn't really know any details about it but he goes mm, they don't know they don't know what she knows she know. So Picard just says, don't say anything mm. the whole time. And it works. It, his ploy works here. The Chancellor gets everybody in the back room and says, okay, look, it's a frame up. It was DeRoss's dad. Mm -hmm. That was the betrayer. But well, we the, know this. We can't because his dad is connected. It's really powerful. If we go after him, then that's going to cause a Klingon civil war, basically. Oh, no. And we can't have that. Kempek tells Kalest she can go. Because there's not going to be, she's not going to give any evidence. Mm. The trial's over. Right, they're just going to come to an agreement. And just say, yep, well, they're just saying, no, Worf's guilty. We're not going to let any more. We're going to hide it. We're going to put it all under the rug. Huh. 
Everyone on Kronos had been calling for justice <laughs> since the story got out that someone had given codes. Only the council knew it was Gerard, Jurassic's father. Worf is fuming. Of course. They used Mog as a scapegoat, thinking that Worf, since he was in Starfleet, would not challenge the judgment. So no harm done kind of yeah. thing. No one knew about Kern. But now things have progressed too far and both sons of Mock must die. Oh, jeez. You admit the truth and yet expect him to accept punishment? What does this say of an empire who holds honor so dear? The empire will not be destroyed for one family's Unacceptable, Kempok! You have no say in this tragedy. I speak now as the captain of the USS Enterprise and Lieutenant Worf's commanding officer. You will not execute a member of my crew, nor will I turn his brother over to you. This is not the Federation, Vicard. If you defy an order of the High Council, the alliance with the Federation would fall to dust. The alliance of the Federation is not based on lies, Kempok. Protect your secrets if you must, but you will not sacrifice these men. I will die for the Empire. Wow, they've got no power here, nothing to play with, but yet Picard is still fighting for Worf's life. Well, saying you're not allowed to. <laughs> well, he, he does, because so. he's a Starfleet officer, and if mm. he wants to get Starfleet involved in this, then... It's like, well, you don't want a civil war, but you also don't want a war with the Federation. Uh, so. Okay, yeah, you're right. I didn't, yeah, I didn't even think of that you better, You better come correct. We better yeah. come to something here. Mm. But Worf is like, look, I understand what's at stake, and I'm willing to do this, but you have to let my brother free and don't mm. let it out. If you're keeping this quiet, keep him quiet that he's my brother. Right, okay, yeah. That's wow. part of the deal. But they're not going to allow that. And he says, okay, if, you don't, if that's not going to make you happy, I will give you what you want, discommodation. And everybody's like, oh, oh okay. Fate I'm, worse than death that Worf is offering now. Yes. I didn't quite understand what it is, but what happens is he's basically saying, yeah, my father was guilty and I'm going to be excommunicated. Mm. I'll have no honor at oh, all. Oh, God. Because if he was murdered over the death of his father, that still saves honor for the family name, even though there's no family anymore. Right. Okay. So huh. he's saying no honor. Yeah. I'll take absolutely the, the biggest shame. In the Klingon culture. Yeah, but my brother gets to live but and my, then later bring honor back to the family. Well, hopefully. that's the kind of, he doesn't say that in front of, yeah, yeah, he says it to his brother. He goes, look, brother's like, what? You can't do yeah. that. And he yeah. goes, no, chill out, dude. I got something up my sleeve. We're going to figure it out. There's yeah. going to be an opportunity and we're going to be able to clear our father's name. But for now, wow. this is what we got to well, do. I'm glad Wolf's not going to be killed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really sad, wouldn't it? Of and course. confusing. Yeah, it would, it would make a lot of sense. Kampak is actually really impressed with Worf, and he says, your heart is truly Klingon. So at the point that he will become no longer Klingon, essentially, the leader sees the greatest honor in him. Yeah. Uh, but Duras is totally stoked about this outcome, and he starts to leave, and the warp stops him, and he says, you are the son of a traitor. And it slaps him right across yeah, the face. backhand. Nice. Uh, it was good. And Kompeki loves that. He gives a little nod, a little smile. He's like, mm, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't mind him getting a bit more of a comeuppance in the future. Is that going to be maybe? M maybe. He's very good at not giving spoilers. I try not to spoil. But I suppose it's a bit of a trope. You know, when he ripped his 
sash off his baldric earlier. Yeah. That really makes you hate a baddie, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. And you want to see them get it. This kind of starts a whole really rad storyline with Worf. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to go on and on and other things get complicated and yeah. really interesting. Nice. Eventually, Robert O'Reilly shows up, my man. Mm-hmm. Whom you know from my picture that's on the wall well, over there. Well, I only know what it looks like in real life. Yeah. So when you see him, whoo, <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be excited. Is it gonna be like Picard's nipple all over again? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And then we end with this. Why is he doing this? I was prepared to die. Wolf wants you to live. The name of your father must someday be cleared. He needs you alive with your honor intact. But to do this... There will be another day, Commander. Do not forget what he does here today. Do not let your children forget. One by one, the Klingons cross their arms and turn their backs on Worf in a circle. And Kern has to do this too. Apparently, according to Memory Alpha, he turns the opposite way from the others as a little bit of a rebellion, but I didn't notice that. Worf and Picard leave the council chamber and return to the Enterprise. What a cliffhanger. Not resolved. Worf is left in disgrace. Yeah. That's not, not a usual ending to an episode, is it? No. No. Well, I mean, I think there. this is the point they really start doing cool episodes that extend into other episodes, like having mm. big story arcs. Because remember in the 80s, TV shows didn't really do that. They didn't have these stories that led into other stories or had like a big arc over a series. Whereas yeah. now that's the norm. Right. Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. we watch Discovery, there's pretty much one story from the beginning of it to the end of it. Yeah. And maybe little side tangents and other things that are going on. But it's basically like a really long movie. But with this, they're like, just getting towards, we're past the middle of season three. Take your coat off. I think we're stopping. <laughs> yeah. Let's get some arcs going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they've actually um, gone beyond TOS's run now. I'll have to check how many episodes we're in oh, right. season three of TOS. Yeah, yeah. So, concepts. Well, we had kind of essentially war crimes, which very elderly people have been tried for, haven't mm -hmm. they, say, the Holocaust. Oh, right, yeah. To avenge, to have some justice, yeah. even though it may be decades and decades later. And in their law, a family can be tried if the individual themselves has died. Yeah. Which we don't have, but I understand that perhaps the same need for justice is behind it. Could be. For consequences. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had honour, of course, as one of the biggest concepts. How far will you go to defend it? How far to prevent civil war of the Klingon people? Worf's willing to discard his honour and no longer be a Klingon, essentially, to live, and so his brother can live and restore the family honour. There's tem temporary dishonour, not in his own morality, perhaps, well, but officially. He doesn't, he doesn't know it's temporary. Yeah, I mean, he's hoping yeah, it's yeah. temporary. True. He's hoping someday it's going to happen, but for all intents and purposes, it's over. His Klingonness is done. And he's done it to be Klingon, to protect the yeah. Klingon Empire. Yeah. What a difficult decision to make, mm. and one that's quite hard to understand, but he's always seen himself as... As Klingon. Yeah. His honor is extremely important to Worf. Yeah. More recalled, I was in love with Sins of the Father, and I fought for it when there was some question about which way we were going to go with it. I really liked the fact that Worf took it on the chin that episode. It said he was willing to stand up and do the right thing for his people, even if they weren't going to do the right thing by him. So we had the High Council doing the wrong thing to save the Empire from civil war. Mm -hmm. Let somebody go under the bus in order to prevent 
millions of deaths. Yeah, yeah. And thinking Worf would not challenge it and there'd be no harm done. Now, Moore saw this episode as a turning point towards more continuing story arcs, like yeah, I was saying. And he walks out the door and it ends with a sense of, oh my God, this has changed Worf forever. And what's going to happen to him next? All of Worf's stories spring from that moment. Mm. Pretty interesting. Now, Michael Dorn had a little bit of a different take on it. It says here, there was a lot more involved in it than the writers realized. Things that have to do with Klingon loyalty and honor. They didn't give it its due. Mm. You look at Worf in a different light, and I've played him in a different light since that episode. This is not something they have come up with. I'm doing it on my own. Hey, it's their fault. They wrote it. So now I'm going to carry on with it. Wow. So I guess he didn't think that this is something that Worf would have done. Or that the Klingons would have done to him as as well, perhaps. Yes. Gosh, I wonder what he means by he's played it like that ever since. Yeah. A dishonored Klingon. A dishonored Klingon who did the most honorable thing. Yeah, to save his people. Yeah, there's got to be... A lot of resentment, I would think, in that as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very complicated. And I, well, I think Michael Dorn does an amazing job. He's an awesome actor. And there's so much going on with Worf. That's why he is the character with the most screen time on Star Trek. Mm. He has more episodes than any other character because he's so rad. People that's love right, him. That's right. We had Kern dishonoring Worf by being encouraging. Treatment that Wesley would have liked, probably. <laughs> Didn't get. We had the differences of command on Klingon versus human ships. Rubbing people up the wrong way by being so rude. We had family coming out of the woodwork. We questioned whether really people didn't know that Kern existed. Yeah. And why this nurse didn't come forward at the time to help out. We had Klingon food and caviar having to be real. We've had a Klingon food thing a few times before. Human food being bland. And the episode marks the first depiction of the Klingon homeworld, Kronos. So we had, you know, they had to flesh out a lot of what that would look like and Mm -hmm. how it would work. So for concepts, huh, gosh, mm, not sure, because there's some de- there's some debate as to whether that was a dodgy interpretation of what Klingons oh, would do. Well, that's not my well, concept. It, it doesn't really have any big sci-fi concepts. This is kind of about a alien culture and their rules and their society and honor and those types of things. Mm, could which, be any ancient society yeah too. but i don't think it was anything special for concepts but it was pretty interesting mm. but i feel like that falls under entertainment yeah so i feel like the entertainment scores could be very high but the the concepts isn't it's pretty middle of the road i'm gonna give it a five okay i'll go for a six entertainment i like a klingon episode mm-hmm. there's so much brooding conflict and fighting and the crazy foreheads to look at <laughs> they had quite a lot of different designs of them they do yeah and the complex leaders and strutting about another friend boss dad fantasy the feel-good nature of that is yeah. always nice picard standing by someone's side straight after we've had the offspring where mm-hmm. he was data's best cheerleader yeah and defender yeah we had a picard fight scene he was saved by an old lady in the end, but he got to get a few tussles in. Yeah. Ridiculous that the guys had knives, but they still <laughs> attacked him with their non-armed hands <laughs> so that he could fight them off. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't use their little boots or anything. No. We had full-on costumes for the Klingons mm. with the medals and robes. They have kind of uniforms, but they're so much dressier, aren't they, than the humans? So oh, much yeah. more intimidating, but then also silly. Yeah. So that's great. I like that. And what a contrast between all those medals, 50 plus metal medals on his robe, the uh-huh. leader, contrasted to one filled in dot on the <laughs> collar. 
<laughs> to say that you're the captain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's the he's the captain of a starship, and this is the chancellor of the Klingon High Council. I, mm. It's the you know the president. Okay. It's the equivalent of the president of a planet or of an empire. So versus versus a captain of a ship. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> still. Even still, yeah. Yeah. I know or assume that people have always talked about their heads as Cornish pasties, but they really do look like pasties, and it made me start wondering what fillings were in the oh, different foreheads. God. So that was a bit distracting. Uh, so much investment in the makeup in this episode. It must have been a big team. Yeah. Or taken them hours before they filmed any of those Klingon scenes. Yeah. Well, I know that they have different levels of makeup quality, especially if there's yes. characters in the background. They can just slap something on and they don't worry about edges on the prosthetics. A couple of the assassins towards the end looked a bit dodgy. Yeah. They have, I, there's like three levels of it. There's people in the background. There's people that are not focused on but are still kind of visible. And mm. then there's the main actors. So there's yeah. like those tears. Back when I used to do special makeup effects mm. back in the day, I remember this. But we've he, heard it's two hours in the chair for Dawn every episode. Yeah. Like those people in the background that you don't see much of, you know, they're not really in focus. They could just slap a thing on that isn't even custom made for them. Yeah. And it would work. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably what they did. But still, you're right. Yeah, it's very still. expensive, big budget. When it yes, this, an individually designed. And I presume their forehead ridges are hereditary, like facial features can be. I guess. I don't know. Richard James, the art director, and Jim Mees, the set decorator, won Emmy Awards for this episode. Hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to give it a seven. Uh, no, I mean, is that not enough? I'm going to give it an, an eight. I really yeah. like this episode. Yeah. I'll go 7.5. Okay. Sexiness? If you're into metal guys in tights, platforms, and munchkin boots, it's a real sex fest. <laughs> But not particularly, so 2.5. 2.5, yeah. Stupid experts. Who will Picard show up personally for at the drop of a hat risk in his life? Is it the bridge crew only? Yes. Would O'Brien be accompanied? No. I notice he's away today, alone. <laughs> no Picard. <laughs> Would the janitor get accompanied? Nope, just the no, bridge crew. just the bridge crew. Just the bridge crew. Uh, I think it was stupid Klingons that the brother had never been identified. Yeah. And that the nurse didn't come forward and help off when it was often but then well i wouldn't say that that's stupid experts i feel like that's just bad writing because well, yeah the... but that's still well i mean stupid experts is about bad writing it's yeah. about having characters do dumb things that they shouldn't be doing mm -hmm. but this is saying that okay so i guess the ex the stupid expert of this one would be the the klingon record keeping the whole society, <laughs> the whole <laughs> yeah, society yeah. and the record keeping they're really lax on it yeah i give it a, a one on the on the stupid experts and then also it's pretty stupid for Picard to have gone off to find that lady on his own. Yeah, I would think he should have A, been armed, or B, have some dudes with him. Why not yeah. have some backup? Maybe nobody else was allowed down to the planet, but the Kadich or whatever it's maybe called. Maybe the Kadich, as part of his duties, he couldn't have backup, but that seems right. totally lame because yeah, stupid. people can send a bunch of assassins after you. Yeah, and... it's a lawless society almost. So that was a bit stupid. So I'm going to give it a two. I'm going to stick with my well, This one. is going to come in quite low for me for scores, and I and I did enjoy it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did enjoy it. Maybe I should give it eight for entertainment. It's up to you. That's, it's a it. 0. 0.5. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, your guesses? I was confused thinking it must be his human dad being tried, so no, no to that. No, no. Yes, we had some full-length robes and thrones, some mean laughing, yeah. did we? Yeah. I don't know. They weren't invited together under the guise of a ceremony for Worf. And then I said Worf's speech backed up by Picard would put it all right. No, but he was backed up by Picard and he did come up with his own plan. But of course, there's still plenty to be resolved. Yeah. 
So thank you, patrons, for making this and every episode possible by funding it yes. and your encouragement and your comments. Without your support, we wouldn't keep doing this show. And yes. we, we love doing the show, and especially yeah. since it's getting good now. Yeah, really encouraging run com- of episodes now. Yeah. Yeah, it, let's hope it keeps this keeps this pace up. It does. It does. I mean, there's a few yeah. missteps, but I think once you're on board, you're on board. You oh, know what I mean? Like, you, you, when you care about the characters, and I think you care now. Yeah. Like you feel when they when they do nice stuff for each other, or yeah. they really they confide in one another, or just do something really rad for their compatriot. It touches you. Mm-hmm. It touches me. Yeah, no. <laughs> and welcome to two new patrons, Lieutenant Robbie Keane and Lieutenant Inspector Seventy One. Oh, welcome and welcome. thanks so much for joining the crew and your and for your support. Well, happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, and we're looking forward to continuing with season three and getting into season four this year. Yeah. Ooh, oh, let's see what so happens. exciting. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you've been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!